Good evening. This is attorney Vincent Davis and attorney Raj Matani, and this is the Divorce and Family Law Talk Radio Show. The effects of divorce, especially when the divorce involves children, last far longer than the divorce process itself. The consequences of marital dissolution can affect all members of the family and can last a lifetime. You've got questions? We've got answers. Family law legal experts, we're answering your questions about divorce, kids, money, property, custody, and spousal support. Good evening, Raj. How are you? Doing great, Vince. It's uh, it's glad to be back after uh, missing last week, but uh, I, I hear we have a great special guest with us tonight, and so I'm excited for our listeners to hear all that she has to offer. We do have a special guest this evening, Raj. Her name is Catherine McWilly. Let's see if she's with us now. I am, Vincent. Raj, how are you this evening? Doing great, Doing Catherine. Fine, Thank Catherine. you for joining us. Catherine, uh, I'm going to give a personal, some type of introduction to the listeners. So you're Catherine McWillie. You're the CEO of Custody Calculations. And let me give you a little background on Catherine. She has 32 years of experience dealing with family law, 24 years as a law enforcement officer with the Los Angeles Police Department. Catherine has responded to radio calls dealing with divorce and custody and was a first responder to child abuse investigations. Catherine spent 10 years researching family law while still a law enforcement officer where she identified that divorce and custody issues may be responsible for 25% of the crime in the United States. The last eight years as a child custody and divorce coach working with clients all over the United States and internationally. Catherine, welcome. Wow, Vince, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be on the show tonight. It's such an important topic, dealing with family law and its devastating impact on families. You said before the show that when you deal with this subject matter that you like to give a disclaimer. Tell me about that disclaimer. Well, Vince, social services is such a controversial issue. It's an emotional issue because it deals with children and families and abuse. And I want to make sure that nothing I say is misconstrued or taken out of context regarding my position on this issue. Um, None of the information being provided tonight is meant in any way to suggest that child abuse does not exist or that it should not be reported. You know, child abuse does exist in this country. It absolutely should be reported, and children do need to be protected. And and just as a side note, tonight's discussion is specifically to address the topic of when to involve social services in your divorce and custody. We will not be addressing false allegations of child abuse. It's just not possible within the time frame that we have. Okay, Catherine and Raj, so let's jump right into this. So, Catherine, what do you want to tell parents to think about before they make a decision to call social services or the police? Well, outside of a 911 call, parents dealing with divorce and custody issues should consider very seriously whether or not they should involve the police or social services in the first place the ramifications of that one call or several calls to either or both of these agencies, as you know, can have a lifelong impact on custody, on divorce, on someone's life. You know, I've had clients call me and say, I called the police, I'm waiting for them to arrive, and before I can tell them not to call or to leave the scene right now, the police arrive and they're arrested, not the other parent, which is what they thought would happen. And the same dealing with social services, no matter which side of the investigation you're involved in, as the caller or named as the suspect in the abuse, you can lose custody of your children because you entered into the system naive, uneducated, unprepared, and vulnerable to really what is an unforgiving system. It wasn't meant to be that way, but it's the result nonetheless. So 
parents, at the onset of your divorce and custody issues, you need to know what to do, what to say, what your rights are, when you should and should not call, and who to call. And if you haven't had that conversation yet with your attorney or anyone else, you need to do that now, preferably with your attorney and preferably with another divorce professional knowledgeable on the impact of this decision. And I'm not talking about a counselor or a therapist, unless they're specific to divorce and custody issues. But someone who's in the trenches who knows these issues and the consequences that they can have you, uh, that can result in your life. And if you choose wrong, you can be, you as the parent can be placed on supervised visitation. You can lose custody of your children. You can go to jail in today's divorce environment, even if you're the parent who called for police. Even if you have a good attorney, the mistakes you make can cost you and you may never recover no matter how much time and money you throw at the issue. And, and Vince, I need to tell you, that, that was really pretty hard for me to get uh, over. It was a real wake-up call, and I know I'm hitting this pretty hard, but this goes against everything that I believed as a police officer while I was a police officer. When I was a police officer, I urged parents to call the police to help them with their children. I urged parents to call the police in dealing with child abuse. But as a divorce coach, I now urge my clients not to call the police except for in rare situations, dealing with their child's behavior or child abuse concerns, you know, and even then with extreme caution. And a lot of this has to do with all the changes in the laws and the policies for the police and social services. Now, some of these changes have been good, but not all changes. Your future, a family's future, your future as a parent could be in the hands of a young officer or an inexperienced CPS worker, and you won't know until it's too late what you have. Or a judge who just transferred in from criminal law or bankruptcy court now sitting in family law. Or your attorney may not be as experienced as you thought, you know. Uh, so even if you do have great investigators, experienced officers, a good attorney and a judge, it can still go horribly wrong. And parents don't realize the extent to which they're placed under a microscope. Everything's taken out of context. Everything's distorted by social services, the police, and by opposing counsel in court with a specific goal in mind to you know, take custody to understand and conduct an investigation. But that doesn't mean it's going to go the way you want. So parents need to be diligent in every aspect dealing with social services. Um, you know, I, I know I'm being a little long-winded on that, that first, and I'm not even going to go into some a couple of more thoughts that I have. But um, I think it's really important to point out that, unfortunately, when parents do reach out for information, Sometimes they get bad advice, and it makes it difficult to know who to trust on that subject, and bad advice leads to terrible outcomes for children. And worse, and I'm sure Vince and Raj, you've seen this, that during the entire process, it likely feels the other parent gets away with everything while one parent can't do anything right in the eyes of the court. So, I mean, Vince and Raj, would you say that most parents are caught off guard when they enter the divorce process and deal with social services, in your opinion? Oh, absolutely. I think um, one of the basic problems is is that people have their own sense of what justice should be, and they're not really educated, unfortunately, about what the law is and what the laws are that exist. And, you know, it's a very, very slip, it's a slippery slope when people who are involved in a divorce process and they try to get um, CPS or social services involved in the divorce process. I can tell you about uh, one case that I have right now where a, I represent the father, another attorney represents the mother, and um, the mother brought the case, reported the case, to the social workers um, trying to gain an advantage with respect to custody. And uh, unfortunately for her, but unfortunately for my client, um, the tables were turned because 
not necessarily the social worker, but the juvenile judge was experienced enough to see that the mother was just making these allegations, uh, you know, to try to gain an advantage in the custody battle. So it backfired on her, um, backfired on the mother, that is. So, yes, I do find a lot of people are caught off guard by just, you know, wanting to bring uh, child uh, social services into this into this divorce. And um, it's something that they have to seriously consider before doing it. And they have to I would advise them to talk to an experienced attorney, someone that's, you know, has experience not only in family law, but also has uh, experience in juvenile dependency cases where social services files these cases uh, regarding child abuse. Um, let me see if we have some calls and if at this point in time and um, see if uh, anybody has, in, has any questions for you or for me or for Raj. Right now I'm going to take a call from area code 631 ending in 60. Good evening. You're on with attorney Vince Davis, attorney Raj Matani, and Catherine McWilly. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, how are you? How are you, sir? I'm going to Good. read you a brief letter, which, of course, which will tell you the whole sordid scenario. I am a result of, adult result of, partial parental alienation. Exhausting most avenues of recourse, the following is a list of salient points involved in the sordid mess of greed, black, of parental concern and cruelty to one's own. Loyalty to one's parent, probable insurance fraud, 500K policy, marginalizing one's parent and sibling, abuse of power of officer of court, married to then notary, disposition of will missing at surrogate court, children's rights. You know rights. what, I'm going to, excuse me for just a moment, I'm going to interrupt you only because I'm sure that you put an, a, an enormous amount of thought. No, ma'am, you don't. You're not, you don't understand where I'm going with this. Let me finish. Children's rights in today's multiple marriage world. I'm getting to that. Backdating insurance policy. The point I'm bringing to you all is the following: when you have children that have had a scenario where a parent remarries, whatever. A parent, in my opinion, because my mother never, you know, talked against my father, which, of course, is imperative for all parents to hear this, that when they talk against the parent to the child, they're affecting the child dramatically. And the reason I say that is because they're attacking that child, whether they realize that or not. And I would like you to call back when we do a show on parental alienation as opposed to social services. Mm-hmm. So if you can, if you have a point in there or a question in there regarding social services, you know, the show is only an hour long and we have some other callers. So Good. I really want to answer a question that you have regarding social services at this point. If you've heard anything so far, that that brings a question to mind. Because I, I know parental alienation is really horrific. Hostile and aggressive parenting is really horrific. And it when are you doing that show? Services. And I'll call back because, on that. You know what? I, Vince, we'll have to get, uh, we'll get your number, and we will call you when we do a show on that. There's actually been several other shows on parental alienation around Facebook right now mm-hmm. in the last few days and coming up. So mm-hmm. if you're not on Facebook, I encourage you to, to do that as well. So do you have a question on social services tonight? No, me? that I don't, but this came up on my email with parental alienation. That's why I'm calling in. Oh, okay. You know, I'm so sorry if there was a misunderstanding on that, but mm-hmm. um, I, I definitely did post because so many cases involved false allegations of child abuse or parents who just make an honest mistake about if they don't call, they could lose custody if what you know they're told to call social services on some particular incidences and and we probably should get into that a little bit more um but please, I hope you'll stay on the line and see if there's any information we can provide and um help you mhm sure thank you for thank okay. you for calling ma'am I appreciate thank you. It. 
Catherine, that parental alienation is always a big topic of concern. Uh, so, Catherine, let's talk about some other examples of bad advice given to parents. Well, and, you know, I think that's really some of the frustration that so many callers have or listeners in parental alienation is they're told to do certain things. And so the bad advice comes from, hey, if the parent, other parent picks up the child early or late on a regular basis, you know, uh, social services, you should call and make a report. And, and parents don't understand that's not the function of social services. Certainly parents feel it's emotional abuse to pick up the children early or late, but and it's certainly a contempt charge in the courts, but it's not a child abuse investigation for purposes of social services. And then another complaint is the inability to keep a regular schedule for the children. The welfare of the children is interfered with. They can't finish their homework. They can't study. They can't get eight hours of sleep on a school night because they're early or late. Again, I am not diminishing the fact that these are important issues, but I am saying they are a violation of the court order. And for purposes of an investigation, it's not child abuse. Um, and, and they need to go to court to remedy that. Now, I'm going to just detour just a little bit. Having said that, I know it's frustrating for parents because family law court rarely does anything on these issues, and that's why they reach out seeking any sort of remedy. Uh, but I really urge parents, you need to deal with these issues differently, not call social services, and and work with a coach or work with you know, it's so expensive paying for an attorney sometimes. Coaches outside the courtroom, because we're not attorneys, can maybe help you do a better job so that your your attorney can focus on the courtroom presentation and not adding to some of the difficulties outside of that. I don't know, Raj, what do you feel about that? Well, hold on, Catherine. I wanted to ask you a question. Sure. Well, before I do that, Raj, go ahead and did you hear Catherine's question? I did. I did. I did hear Catherine's question. So, Vince, I'll let you. I'll let you go into your little uh, uh, response, and then I'll, I'd be happy to add to it. Well, Catherine, you know, legal services is a very tricky area, and you know, just because someone has a license to practice law doesn't mean that they have the knowledge or experience to represent someone in a family law case or in a juvenile dependency case, which we call the social services types of cases. Um, you know, I uh, now as, as I, I sit back and look at my career, I've been practicing almost 30 years, um, I, I see a lot of things that happen in courtrooms with attorneys. And uh, sometimes I, it makes me cringe because when I was a 10-year attorney, I was doing the same thing that I see happening now. And sometimes what I see happening now, attorneys really don't have the, a lot of attorneys don't have the experience or the knowledge to represent people especially in these crossover cases where there is an investigation by social services and there is also a family law court, court case going on, I get a lot of calls from people who have told me, hey, my family law, to law attorney told me they don't know anything about these CPS, these social service cases, and they told me to find another attorney, and, you know, they referred me to you. I mean, I give kudos to those attorneys for not trying to work in an area that they don't know anything about. Um, so if, if, if you are a parent and you are faced with a family law or divorce case, and there's going to be some type of child abuse investigation by social services, um, you know, you should be consulting with an attorney to try to get some information. You should be consulting with someone, someone, someone like Catherine who can maybe coach you and uh, what to do and what not to do, you know, maybe even before you uh, talk to an attorney. 
Raj, did you have anything to add? Yeah, the I I kind of want to get back to Catherine's original point of why parents mistake simple custodial events or parenting events for reasons to call social services. I think Catherine gave a lot of great examples about day-to-day things that when you know the family unit is together and there aren't these emotional divorce issues that. You know, parents don't take so seriously. If, if someone's late to pick up the kid, the other parent just goes and does it. But when there's a divorce issue, it's seen as an event to cause an advantage. And I think Catherine gives great advice in saying that those events should not be used as an advantage to call CPS or make a case bigger than it is. Parents should really take a breath, take a moment, and uh, consider what's in the best interest of themselves, their case, and their children before going to the extreme results of calling social services. And I think Catherine would agree with me. Social services should almost be a last resort. Um, it's, it, it creates complications and crossovers that uh, make your case very very tough to manage. And so before making that call, before dialing 911, make sure and think about it's something that it's, it's really serious that needs the resolution of, of um, you know, of the government, essentially. Well, and Raj, I would yeah. agree with that. In fact, Vincent, thank you for the, the compliment. But, you know, how I met Vincent was I was looking for additional attorneys who specialize specifically in child abuse investigations because there's a real art form to that, and there's an entirely different process. It's very later, very exact, very specific, and very technical. And and a family law attorney, I agree, most of them just do not uh, have that knowledge, understanding, and parents more and more are, you know, having to recognize the fact that they've heard the, the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, now it takes a village of professionals to get a parent through the divorce process, unfortunately. I, wouldn't, I would have to agree with you. Catherine, what are some other examples you can give parents on bad advice regarding social services? Well, I think another big area for me as a divorce coach is that uh, child custody and divorce coaches, routine doctor and dental appointments, you know, that are missed because the other parent didn't take them. One parent booked them expecting the other parent to take them or withheld them, and so they didn't get the appointment. And so the parent... You know, the longer they're in the process, the harder it is for them to be rational. They're just under so much duress. So they'll call social services on missed appointments, and the problem is, is again, that is outside the scope of social services. And if you can take the children at a later time, and it's just a routine appointment, it's not child abuse. Again, if you want to raise the issue with the courts because of the the environment by which these appointments keep being missed or canceled, that's a matter for court, but it's not a matter for social services. Braces, that's another issue. I mean, I think all three of us have probably spent an inordinate amount of time on parents who want to get braces, parents who are, you know, are not able to come to an agreement regarding the types of braces, the invisible braces, the minimum visibility braces, the full metal braces, uh, the cost of the braces, missed appointments, that's another issue. It doesn't typically fall within child abuse investigations. The same would be um, sports equipment. Um, Those are also uh, big problems. I probably spend 20 to 30% of my time on just sports equipment and doctor and dental appointments. It's, It's pretty awful Um, and also I always urge parents in their court orders they need to be very specific regarding doctor and dental appointments so it doesn't become or rise to the level where they're so frustrated they want to call social services the children cannot be removed from school for a doctor or dental appointment more than one time for every six months per child the parent having custody during schools the other parent can't remove the children. The more specific court orders are, the less likely parents are to call uh, social services. 
um, tutors are another issue, I think, that, you know, we can probably all agree on. Children not being taken to the tutor, arguing over tutors' costs, uh, one parent taking them, the other one not saying that they feel that's the, uh, an interference in the ability of the child to thrive, and therefore they'll call social services. Um, those are just a few more issues. Um, and, and parents will always say, but aren't there exceptions? Well, yes, there, there might be some exceptions, but that's why they should talk to their attorney or, as you pointed out, it, depending on the experience of that attorney, the attorney focuses the courtroom. They may not be good on some of the other issues. A divorce coach or other divorce professional, I would really strongly urge parents to seek out. Um, cost of court, I know, is a big issue because that's another reason parents go to social services. So I tell parents, don't go to court on every issue as it occurs. Build a list. Build a thought-provoking list of real problems and real solutions for the attorney to go to court and thereby releasing some of the pressure a parent feels to want to call social services. Um, Vince, what is your experience? I mean, would you agree with sort of that list? I would agree. And, you know, before people call social services, uh, one of the things you said earlier in the show is, you know, if you call social services, there's a, there's a chance that the tables will be turned on you because you are trying to get social services involved in a situation where it's not child abuse. Just because, you know, you haven't taken your child to a, a routine doctor's appointment or just because you've missed some type of sporting event or, you know, for the child or, you know, you haven't taken the child to a tutor, that does not constitute child abuse. Um, I, I, I won't say 100% it does not constitute child abuse, but, you know, maybe some there is some scenario where the child might be emotionally or abused or abused in other ways um, through these different topics. But generally, these topics could be and should be handled, in my opinion, outside of the court. And, you know, unless you want to spend the money to get a lawyer involved, getting another type of divorce professional might be, uh, you know, the best case scenario for you. Raj, what do you think? Yeah, I think this this touches on the subject that we've been we've been hammering away at for a little bit of, a little bit of time now the the critical decision that parties involved in family law litigation need to make is is this minute issue worth it for me to battle uh, for thousands of dollars against the other party or is it an issue that I should be able to resolve when you have a divorce professional like a divorce coach or an attorney who's knowledgeable in family law and uh, juvenile dependency issues, they can really help navigate litigants and parents into how to resolve these issues amicably. It's always cheaper to resolve it out of court, and it's always cheaper to limit litigation. So uh, for a lot of these smaller issues, like a dental appointment, I have I have a case right now where uh, showing up to a dental appointment on time or, or showing up within 30 minutes of a pick-up and drop-off time are the points of contention and we've gone to several hearings on those small issues. So, um, you know, for an attorney, that's great. They want to pay me the money. I'm happy to do it and, and litigate their issue to, to the extent that they desire. But, uh, you know, there are not a lot of litigants who can afford to spend thousands of dollars to make sure that their attorney calls for, a, you know, notes from a doctor. So uh, parents should really think about the global scape of their of their case and and what each small decision, how it can add up and really, really affect their position. And I really like uh, Catherine's suggestion, make a list. Um, that's the best way to, to sort of keep track of all these things. Catherine, what about food issues? Oh, my gosh. That is such a huge issue. You know, um, I've, I've seen cases where actually a judge will order a food diary for the parents to exchange, but they write down what the child eats breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and the child carries it back and forth to the houses. 
Complaints range from the children getting too much candy with the other parent. They don't have proper breakfast. They get too much junk food or sugar in their lunch. They eat too many chips. They don't get enough vegetables with their dinner. Uh, And then you have cases where you have children with food allergies. And sometimes that can pose a risk to the child. But generally, as you pointed out as well, these are not issues for social services. Are there exceptions? Possibly a food allergy that's life-threatening. I did have a case where a very young child was hospitalized numerous times and was looking at the possibility of having their bowel section removed due to a severity of their food allergy. And uh, the parents uh, would likely have had their uh, parenting time reduced and may have even had it severed. So the one parent stepped aside and did not have contact with the child for several years. The child's health became robust. You know, for whatever reason, the other parent was not capable of doing proper nutrition with that food allergy and stepped out of the picture. Now, just to give you an update on that case, the child now has been reunified with the other parent and is much healthier. They're not as vulnerable to their food allergies. To some extent, they've outgrown them. But, you know, these cases can get very serious. Uh, You know, other cases I've seen where there's been allegations of uh, Munchausen, which, you know, purposely keeping a child sick through food uh, issues. But, again, generally, Normally, the child having too much sugar or disagreements about food is not an issue for social services. Um, I, I think another complaint is the children are always getting sick when they come back from the other parents. And most parents forget that in an intact family, children get sick. They fall down, they get bruises, they go to the emergency room, especially when they're young, and they outgrow that as they get older. Babies get diaper rash severely, sometimes requiring medication in intact families. And so it's going to happen in a divorced family. Parents lose that perspective the more that they're under duress of their divorce. They need someone to help them, you know, understand or separate to a great degree the times when they're overreacting, underreacting, what's appropriate, and and they need a calm attorney who can also help them make good decisions. Um, so, you know, it's just so horrendous. And obviously I'm not talking about broken ribs or skull fractures, which absolutely could be child abuse absent, uh, like a traffic collision or a freak accident, which is why hospitals call the police from emergency rooms to investigate. Um, I, I don't know, Vince. What You want to chime in on your thoughts? Sure. You know, these, this particular issue about food is something um, – that I see a lot, and I see a lot of parents arguing about the diet of children. Now, granted, you know, I I was a I, I am a father, and you know, I raised helped raise two children with my spouse, and uh, you know, food is an important thing, but it, in my opinion, it generally doesn't rise to the level of child abuse. Now. Raj, Raj and I have a, uh, a case right now where we, um, uh, where our client, the mother, is alleging that uh, the father is feeding the child food which the child is allergic to, and I believe that our client has called uh, social services a few times, reporting it, and uh, we've advised. Uh, our client, you know, not to do that because social services is just going to, if they do get involved, they're probably going to get involved and accuse our client of 
trying to gain an advantage by bringing social services into the case. And that's something that in this particular case shouldn't be done. And, you know, uh, if I were representing a parent who was complaining about diet, unless it was making the the child, you know, very ill in some fashion, um, I probably would try to work it out with the other side without going to social services and uh, definitely without going to uh, going to court. Raj, what do you think? Yeah, Vince, uh, you know, as the associate here in the office, I, I think I've dealt with that. With, with that case extensively, and it, it's one of those ones that that's very appropriate to the subject we're discussing today. You know, our clients, maybe rightfully so, and, and you know, based on everything she's told us, I have to believe it, but uh, genuinely believe that the other side was not properly caring for their child's diet, and she had some strong evidence to back it up, but at a certain point, you know, Children's services are, are, are an overwhelmed agency, and when they're being called out for a child being served a peanut, where there are real cases of somebody uh, being abused or neglected, they start to take a negative impression of, of the person who's called. And so, uh, like a lot of the things we've been saying today, is there's other ways to resolve these issues. That's why there are great professionals like Catherine and uh, attorneys and and mediators and all different kinds of professionals who can solve those issues without getting this third party involved. And what I think a lot of parents don't realize is that when they get social services involved, you're now allowing another entity to try and make decisions about how you raise your children. And regardless of how much you hate the other side, I doubt any parent wants a neutral who has no understanding of their of the personal relationship between parent and child to make decisions about how their child is raised. So um, it's a consistent problem. Food, out, food and medical issues are probably the two biggest ones that always come up. And um, despite how much we counsel clients to seriously think about it, it, it seems to continually rise to, to the top. You know, I'm going to try to take another call here. We have a caller from area code 509, ending in 9-3. Hi, you're on Family Family Law Radio Show. Is there anyone there? Hello? Yeah, you know, Vince, they may Hello? just want to listen to the show as, a, as opposed to participating in the show. Okay, I'll try then a caller from area code 804, ending in 52. Hello, you're on with attorney yes. Vincent Davis. Right. Yeah, Hello. sorry, I just, I, can you hear me okay? I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, thanks. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I just uh, checked in late. Uh, so, uh, I, I'm wondering what, in what cases, is it okay to uh, call uh, Child Protective Services? In what cases is it okay? Yeah. Well, generally, when, when the when, child generally when the child has been physically, sexually, or emotionally abused. You know what? I have a feeling our caller probably has some specific circumstances in mind. And if you wouldn't mind sharing some of those circumstances so we can give you a more detailed response. Because it's hard for a parent to say, but I do think they're being sexually abused, Vince, or I do think they're being uh, physically abused, or I do think they're being emotionally abused. And just FYI, for the most part, we'll go into this if there's any remaining time on the show. You know, emotional abuse, while it is within the scope of social services in the description of most agencies around the United States, I have very little experience that they ever do uh, handle emotional abuse. Are there exceptions? Yes. But generally, emotional abuse is not the prime focus of a social services investigation. So why don't you, if you wouldn't mind, giving us a few details? Sure. Or are you I'm uncomfortable, actually, or you're uncomfortable doing that? No, 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 that's fine. Yeah, I'm actually uh, calling for a friend of mine. Uh, he, uh, uh, in his case, uh, the you know the uh, the girlfriend no longer lives with him. The girlfriend has now has a husband. 
and uh, the girlfriend um, works a 12-hour shift, you know, as a nurse, and so the the girlfriend is, even though she's got the shared custody, well, she, she doesn't have shared custody, she, uh, you know, gets to uh, watch the kid, um, but whenever the, the kid is over there, she's not there, or she's sleeping, and the... Um, uh, the girlfriend's father, or the girl, girlfriend's new husband, uh, apparently threatens the kid by saying, you know, uh, he's going to you know, put his head in the oven, and this has already been come out, and um, uh, apparently the guardian, guardian ad litem already knows about that, but it, it never gets raised to the next level. It just seems like there's several instance, instances like that. Yet, uh, you know, it, it just continues to go on, and and uh, so I'm not getting. Of course, I'm not getting the whole story, but uh, I hear many instances like this, and I'm just thinking, how is that possible? Yeah, Vince, do you mind if I take this call? Respond? No, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Okay, so first of all, how old is the child? Uh, he's about seven years old, I believe. Okay, that makes it really tough for two, several reasons. First of all, the child may want to please one parent. You know, children want to please both parents. They love both parents. They want to please both parents. They, they could assume incorrectly that one parent wants to hear everything's wonderful, so the child tells that parent everything's wonderful. Then they think the other parent wants to hear everything's terrible, so they say terrible these terrible things are going on. And I think what you want to do, and because of the age, children are easily, um, the statements could absolutely be true, and they could absolutely be questionable in the minds of the guardian med litem just by virtue of the age. So I think what you want to do is you want to do as much research and background on the new boyfriend or the the husband, I wasn't clear if it was a boyfriend or husband. You want to see if this person has a criminal history, drugs, uh, violence, domestic violence, child abuse. You want to find out if he's a registered sexual offender. And if you can get that type of information and you can search that out very easily on the Internet for very little money, you know, it's maybe not as comprehensive as a private investigator, uh, depending on the financial capability, you, if you find out that this person has criminal history or nothing comes back but you still have concerns, you may even want to consider looking at involving a private detective to follow the child, you know, very quietly, stay in the background, videotape, uh, tape record, anything that they see that borders on a risk for this child or supports that child's statement. Because here's the terrible, terrible fact of family law now. So many people have made false allegations that victims of true violence, child abuse, threats like this, there is an assumption while we want to err on the side of the child's safety that lacking any other supportive information that that they may not take the situation as seriously as they can, as they should because there's been so many false allegations and this child could easily be told to say these things. Um, so it's really tough, really tough. Does this person have the financial means to first maybe put like 50 or $60 on a you know, a background search, and then if they had to, maybe a private detective? Oh, yeah, I'm quite certain he does, yeah. Um, okay. He, he, yeah, he well, also mentions that – I'm sorry. I was going to say, for purposes of this call, you know, my phone number uh, is on my website. Uh, you're more than welcome to have him contact me. I can go into some more details. You know, I do – I, I speak to parents all the time without any money, you know, just sort of giving them a direction. And if I can take care of the call, you know, in the one or two calls, I don't charge parents. So, but if 
if there is some real risk here and time is of the essence, they need to know exactly what they should be doing as quickly before they go any further. Because social services is going to do the same thing a police officer would do. They conduct uh, an, an interview. And if there's no bruises, no marks, and you didn't mention that there were any, that makes it difficult to support the position. Now, the boyfriend could be escalating. And, in fact, you know, uh, I think Vince and I and Raj, our next subject was going into the risk of dealing with new relationships and calling services, uh, social services on them. So it's, the question is very timely. So why don't you call me off the air? Uh, let me give callers my number right now, 702-675-5120. That's for any listener. I don't and we can, you know, take some more calls, but I think you need some really clear direction. This is this potentially has a lot of risk. Or peace of mind. Maybe this child is scared. And, you know, it's a feeling of leaving one parent for the other. So if they're saying these things to try to get attention, you don't know. So you do want to err on the side of caution. Uh, Vince or Raj, can you think of anything else you want to add to that? Um, I cannot, but thank you for the call. Thank you. That was a timely call, wasn't it, Catherine? Yeah, because I was just going to ask you, what are your thoughts on parents filing abuse involving new relationships and the other parent? I'm sure you see this a lot in your practice like I do. What are your thoughts? I think that the person calling social services uh, should have, if they're going to call social services, should have some significant evidence of the abuse before they call. Um, if they don't, and they if they don't have the evidence and they call social services, the tables may be turned on that uh, parent calling uh, social services, and the social worker may look or view their complaint or their reporting as, you know, some type of alienation or trying to gain advantage in a custody battle. So parents should be very, very careful before they do that. Well, and now it's tough, you know, because there's so many families dealing with divorce. There's so many custody issues. There's so many new relationships as people go on with their lives. And sometimes people are completely unaware that a new relationship that that person, male or female, I want to point out, has a prior history for alcoholism, drunk driving, drugs, uh, child abuse, again, mothers and fathers. Uh, you know, I even had a situation where, you know, we went on a radio call, a partner of mine, I wasn't working with her that night, but she went on a radio call and so the woman was pregnant, and it was a domestic violence situation, and normally police will run wants and warrants and criminal history. And what came back was that this woman was married to a registered sexual offender. She was pregnant with twins and had no idea that he had any background like this at all. And so, you know, these situations can be very dangerous. People have to be more proactive. And getting on the Internet, uh, both parents, the one that's dating the new relationship, male or female, or the other parent, need to be proactive and do some due diligence and not report frivolously, like you said, until you have something solid. That's very good advice, Catherine, about using the, uh, using the Internet. Oh, absolutely. You know, I know that we've been, uh, we've had some good calls and we're not covering a portion of what we had hoped to do tonight. Um, I think what I would like to do, if you wouldn't mind, is give really an eye-opener to the listeners on the number of child abuse investigations conducted in this country because I think that really paints a, a, a much more clear picture of how out of control this whole scenario is. I, I, Raj, would you mind if I take a few minutes and do that? No, go ahead. Okay. 
So the listeners need to know that there's basically about 3.5 million investigations a year by social services. That's about 835,000 investigations per day, every day in this country. That's the average. Just during this show, this one-hour show, 35,000 social services investigations will be conducted. Just in this one show, of those, 40% of these investigations are unclear, unable to prove or disprove. And that's a rough number from my contacts within social services. Now, of this 40% of identification of unclear child abuse allegations, 90% of those are thought to be by parents seeking an advantage in custody in court. And the really shocking fact is that previously as a divorce coach, we would see allegations of child abuse, false allegations, after six, seven, eight, or nine years of custody battles. Now we're seeing it at the onset of the divorce. It's the quickest, fastest route to obtain custody or interfere in custody. Now, I want to go back to that number I gave you about the 3.5 million investigations a year. Unofficially, the number of child abuse investigations is closer to 12 million, and that's because social services cross-files with the police department. What that means is police and social services each conduct separate child abuse investigations And if the allegation is made by the school, the school nurse, the teacher, administrators, they'll conduct a preliminary investigation. The same with hospitals. So these children are being subjected to numerous interviews. They're subjected to transportation by police officers. They're subjected to physical examinations, disrobing. Um, in hospital situations and police stations, we've done as much as we can. There's a lot of progress being made to try to make the child feel uncomfortable. We're tape recording and video recording interviews now whenever possible. But when it comes down to it, a child can be subjected to eight or nine interviews. And a parent can be subjected to that many interviews and then for each of the different allegations. I've had some clients who faced as many as 60 and 70 allegations, you know, during the numerous, you know, over six, seven, eight, nine years. And and we could probably even do uh, a whole show just on, you know, the way we capture this data. Now, I can't say conclusively some of this data is correct because this is a whole new approach to looking at, the true number of child abuse investigations, but when you think about it, if during a one-hour show there's 35,000 investigations, what do you think the chances are that each family that starts to go through the divorce process is going to be facing numerous false allegations? I mean, that's been my experience now. Sooner, faster, harder, more aggressive. Um, Vince and Raj, why don't you chime in and tell me what you think about those numbers? Those are mind-boggling numbers. And I, I, I don't know that I ever stopped to really think about it, um, but I get cases, you know, I'm involved in cases all the time where um, children or parents or both have been interviewed by the social worker at the hospital the county social worker, number one, then the county social worker, number two, then the, uh, you know, the police officer on the street in the squad car, and then the police officer, the detective. Um, And, you know, there's just so many um, things going on. Um, It can be mind-boggling. And, you know, generally in those cases, um, sometimes I'm, you know, a lot of times I'm representing the parent and I read the different reports and sometimes the reports aren't clear and they're, um, you know, contradictory. 
in one report, uh, one witness is saying ABC, but in another report, uh, the witness is saying XYZ. So I'm not sure if we're, you know, helping uh, the situation any as a society by having all these cross-investigations. Um, but, you know, we are talking about the protection of children. You know, it's hard to draw that fine line as to when we're doing it and when we're overdoing it. Raj, what do you think about that? Yeah, like you guys have been saying, these are these are mind-boggling numbers. And as practitioners, we sort of get caught up in the day-to-day and don't really take the time to sit back and think about how pervasive this issue is. And I think Catherine's uh, end point there about how much this allegation is used as an advantage early on in a divorce or custody proceeding can't be understated. There is no more serious allegation than child abuse. The courts view it that way. The juvenile dependency system views it that way. And so litigants and parents have found out that they can use this to their advantage. You know, I have a case right now where that's going on and, and the case is essentially stalled until we resolve, you know, this claim. So um, it's happening all the time and it's happening more often than not. And um, it's unfortunate, but, you know, we're here to help. Good, good. Catherine, I'm sorry we are nearly out of time. Um, before we end, though, in these next couple of minutes, uh, would you like to make a closing statement? Um, thanks, Vince, I would. I really want to urge the listeners to call a divorce professional, your attorney, before you ever call social services or the police outside of a 911 call. This is for your protection and your child's protection. And you... And you if you still have questions after tonight's show, you can email me at divorcecoachservices at yahoo.com. You can send me a few brief sentences of why you think you should call social services or why you're afraid to call social services. And I'll do my best to answer as many of these emails as possible. Again, my website is custodycalculations.com. And if I could, with the two minutes remaining, I just want to remind everyone April 25th is Parental Alienation Awareness Day around the globe, and unfortunately, false allegations of child abuse are part of parental alienation, but that does not diminish the fact that there is child abuse occurring, and we need to be proactive and sift out false allegations from factual cases. Um, Also, everyone listening to the show today, please take advantage of the free ebooks that Vince makes available on his website. And also if you go to my website and enter your name and email address, we'll send you uh, my first e- magazine ebook titled Facebook, Emails and Text Messages, a Toxic Combination During Divorce, just for listening tonight. And my number again is 702-675-5120. And I think that leaves you two minutes. Raj and Vince to make a closing statement. Thank you very much, Catherine, and thank you, for, and thank you for being on our show this evening. We want to invite you back. Maybe we can talk about um, talk about parental alienation sometime in the future. I know that's a that's a hot topic these days. And Raj just went to a conference regarding. Uh, Parental alienation, and I know that that uh, that we probably will have a lot of listeners who are interested in that, um, because even some of the best of people get involved in parental alienation when they get involved in these horrendous and horrific child custody and visitation disputes. Raj, next week we're going to be talking about uh, a few subjects. What subjects would you like to cover next week on our show? Uh, we're going to get into, get into some uh, more deeper issues on child custody and child visitation, um, some more stuff, new stuff on child support, and um, you know, really, we're hoping to have a lot more callers and and uh, touch our listeners a little bit more and and see if we can resolve some issues. So we encourage everybody to call in and and uh, see what kind of advice that we can offer you and 
As you know, our firm offers a variety of services from full retainer to limited scope and um, coming soon mediation services. So uh, please feel free to visit our website or uh, give our offices a call. We're here at 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and uh, we'd be happy to see if we can help you out. Thanks, Raj, and good night. See you next week on the radio. All right.